Blog Talk Radio. All right, race fans, how the hell are you? Another episode of Race Chat Live here tonight on this beautiful Tuesday night. The calm before the storm. It depends on what storm you're talking about. We've got one guy already trying to outrun the storm. Mr. Craig Moore out on the highway as we speak. We'll have Taz Taylor here. Hopefully I am broadcasting live, waiting on uh, my friends to join us here this evening. But, uh, yeah, definitely the eye before the storm, the, the calm before the storm. Uh, there's uh, Hurricane Ian, who is uh, coming up the Gulf of Mexico, headed towards Tampa Bay. Uh, of course, this is Talladega Week. Talladega Week. So we're getting geared up to go uh, see the big race. That's the big racetrack. Of course, uh, we're down here in Mississippi. Uh, it's Talladega two and a half hours from here, even that. Looking forward to a real good time this weekend. So man, oh man, we got a lot to talk about, including the action from the track this past weekend at Texas uh, Motor Speedway. Uh, hello? Hey, Chris. How are you, brother? All right, all right. Got Craig on the uh, on the air here. Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, Mr. Craig Moore. Just got settled in myself, man. Been a, been a hard day running up and down the roads. And that's exactly what you're doing right now. You're headed up to New York State, I believe. You're, you're not out running. You're not uh, running from the storm. You're just trying to outrun the storm. Right. Exactly, exactly. We're uh, headed up to New York for a couple of events this weekend that we've got and next week. And, you know, hated to leave South Florida you know, and, my, and my father and, and everybody down there, but they're seasoned veterans of this hurricane. They're seasoned veterans of this hurricane <laughs> shit, so uh, we'll let yeah, them handle it. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you on the air here tonight. Waiting on Taz Taylor, of course. Uh, there was a lot to talk about from this past weekend. Uh, some, uh, I guess, some guys that got to go from the bottom of the list down there to the top of the list uh, because of other people's mis- other drivers' misfortunes. So, of course, I don't believe I, I would have seen Chase Elliott in the spot that he's in. Of course. With today's deductions from William Byron, I think uh, if that helps anybody, it helps Chase Elliott. Uh, but uh, we've got a whole lot more to talk about. And as we speak, uh, Taz Taylor, he's walking in the studio here. Glad to have Taz uh, back with us and uh, on the air. So, yeah, man, I mean, we got things from Goodyear. Everybody's trying to pin it on Goodyear. Everybody's trying to say this is Goodyear's fault. 
Uh, from the stuff that I've read, fellas, I'm going to have to argue that, and I can't wait to do it here later this evening uh, when we bring up the hot topics. Um, I mean, I, I really, to be honest with you, you know, you take the itinerary and throw it out the window uh, because, I mean, where do you start? Like, first of all, you know, NASCAR supposedly got this big black eye this, this past weekend. I thought it was a successful Texas race. I'm ready to hear what you guys have to say about it. I guess we'll start with you, Taz Taylor. Tires, they should not be a problem at this point. I don't know what good year. I don't know if it's the COVID shortage that it could be the problem or if they just decide to put a cheap something cheap in the tire that's causing all these problems, but Goodyear's missing the ball at this point because I don't remember tires being this much of a problem ever. Taz Taylor steps to the plate and he hits he hits the Goodyear. Um, Chris, you know, I got to disagree, I think, man. I got to disagree. I don't think tires were as much of the problem as it was the camber and the loading of the tire. And right. they talked right. about that several times during the race, and it was happening in between laps 30 and 45. The right. tires would eat right. up, they'd make the adjustment to the, uh, I would believe it was the track bar, and they would find when they made the adjustment the tires were let loose around lap 35 when those tires set in. So I don't necessarily say it was all NASCAR's fault, um, NASCAR, Goodyear, I mean, who's at fault here? The teams? I mean, I'm, I'm going with you, Craig. I'm not necessarily going to point the finger at NASCAR or Goodyear. Please carry on. I think, I, I, man, we have agreed so much this year. I don't know. We might have to get married, dude. Um, My wife, I think first of all, you'll have to get a divorce. He'll have to get a divorce yeah, first. So. <laughs> yeah, true. And so would you. <laughs> I would. Well, yeah. wait. Well, well, I want to hear Teresa's comment in the background there. I I heard a little something back there. <laughs> I, I said I say that often. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, she, so I'm not. I'm not the so, only one in line. I think, I think. Listen, she's only listening to the show. Listen, she's only listening to the show tonight because we're in the car. Otherwise, I can't she, she does. She can't listen to the show. She's not an ex. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Wow, but a bee, but a boom. <laughs> Look, first of all, I wouldn't be surprised if she ducked you. Oh my God! No, she it does it all the time. Wow. So, in all, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, everybody's ready to throw the blame on Goodyear. Where is the team's culpability in this? Right. They know the problem. They knew the problem. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that just, hey, bam, happened. They all seemed to do it. Mm-hmm. So, Put with that being point. said, don't push the envelope further than – your driver can handle the car. It's the old adage, don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. Same thing here. Don't push the envelope when you don't know how quickly those tires are going to let loose. And they did. 
I was actually happy to see Chase Elliott down below the cut line. It was a great it was a great thing to see. And I just hate it for William Byron that he got a you know, that he got docked fifty points or seventy five points and and now he's no better than uh Chase Elliott in that situation. And we're gonna talk about that later. But tire issues I do Kaz, Kaz I think you're full of I think you're full of it. And uh Hey, I'm always full of it. Oh, you need oh. to go back and and watch oh, the race, the and then and then uh, come back with it with the correct assessment of it was the teams, it was the teams pushing the envelope, and they shouldn't have done it. And, and present and present the evidence right here, as I will read to you. Yes, I know how to read. That some of you will be surprised. That I, I am a little surprised. I am from Mississippi, and I am stalling trying to read right now because I'm, you know, I'm trying to build up my confidence that I can actually freaking read. I hope I can. So then, anyway, <laughs> this is from Rodney. It's from Rodney Childers. My view still comes down to the rules on the box we are in, and the track at the Texas compounds at all. The problem wasn't necessarily the tires. Yes, they could be better. They could always be better. But the reason there are tire issues is the shock limiter rule. The teams wouldn't be running the tires lower if you could get the car lower in the back and the diffuser to its optimal downforce point. If you could run the car lower with the suspension, you would actually run more air in the tires to keep the travel more consistent. Another option that would make it is the rear diffuser where it makes the most downforce with it an inch, a half an inch higher than it is. Kind of impossible. Um Basically, the, the, the ones that we don't want to blame here, the ones that are really at fault, the, one, the perpetrators of this event is none other than the Elon Musk of the world, the geniuses, the engineers. So anybody that had trouble in a right rear fashion this past weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, wasn't, it wasn't the Goodyear's problem it wasn't nascar's problem it wasn't the driver's problem it's the freaking engineers let's point the blame at them because that's what rodney childers said to do now Dad, follow up on that please now that i've well, presented the evidence well that kind of falls in the engineer standpoint that kind of falls into play of the people working in the shop, and also, in a sense, the car chief, too, since the car chief is supposed to, you know, be overlooking these sort of things. So, at this point, now that you say that, we can blame Goodyear in one sense, but here we are. We can blame the we can blame the engineers, the car chiefs. We yeah. can blame these Pushing teams in the a matter envelope. of this factor. Right, the but these are all single-source items. I mean, crappy parts is one thing, right? This is not a crappy part issue. This is trying to make it all look like it's crappy parts, but in reality, Goodyear is saying, look, we're going to accept the blame where it's needed, but this isn't necessarily an issue of ours. And we've seen Tyler Reddick go out there. That guy didn't have any issues, did he? No, Shockingly, he didn't have any no. issues. He didn't have any issues right. whatsoever, and I think that's I didn't because Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain, a very aggressive driver. Any issues with tires? 
No, I don't think so. Negative. Eric Jones. Eric Jones, another driver. So, you know, this is what Larry Mack said earlier. Larry Mack said, I remember going to – everybody wants to mention uh, the Brickyard or whatever. Uh, but he it was, a, it was not a problem with Yates. They had no issues. They didn't have issues with tires that weekend, but the laps every 10 the, – the cautions every 10 laps was basically the Dale Jr. pass to keep Dale Jr. in contention and maybe win the race, which, of course, he wound up having a blowout and uh, did, not, uh, did not win anyway. But, Craig, now that we've presented the evidence and Taz has kind of weighed in on his opinion, now how do you really feel about the Goodyear situation and, and the tire situation? Because I think this year we've talked more about tires than we have Danica Patrick and Bubba Wallace and Butter Bean, Butter Boom. That's saying some sh- around here. I mean, you know how much we talk about Danica and Bubba. Yeah, well, you know, because both, both of them are bitches. I mean, witches. Um, I think I think NASCAR or Rodney Childers hit a nail hit the nail right on the head. I really do. Um, NASCAR needs to. I know they're single source parts. If I'm not if I'm not uh, mistaken, are they not, Chris? The shock and <laughs> that's all right. Um, I hate when that happens. Yeah, man, you hit it too hard. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> those are <laughs> those are single source parts, are they not? Yes, yes, I believe so. So, so what he means by single that, source parts is that it comes from one direct location. It's a, a certain supplier for that, and and you you know, I mean, we watched NASCAR change the cars throughout history, or they would never be the cars that they are today had NASCAR not come in and say, "Hey, we're going to do this." We're going to wiggle this, and we're going to move this in and tuck this out. So, obviously, NASCAR doesn't want to get in the business of that right now. And that's why there's right. not been these little changes going on. And and NASCAR nor Goodyear wants to take responsibility for what happened at Texas. But, but perception is reality, Craig Moore. Perception is reality, Taz Taylor. Perception. If it's perceived that it's a NASCAR or a Goodyear problem or it's a really a, quotation, NASCAR problem, then most 90% of the fan base is going to perceive that as a NASCAR problem. And that, in return, hurts our product. Just as a couple of drivers did this past weekend when they were talking about the future race at Talladega where they didn't really want to have to race very hard and and the race at Texas where, you know, basically – you know, it, it speaks for itself. Texas was kind of a disaster for the most part for some of the drivers, but I digress. Well, you know, that traction compound that didn't work as they thought it would either did not help any because it was too hot for that traction compound to become sticky. Instead, it became, as all the drivers said, like a banana peel. It was like racing on banana peels. Kyle Bush said it best what's the best way to flip when he was asked what the best way to flip the script is on twenty twenty three or on twenty twenty two. He said twenty twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny uh, you mentioned that. Funny you mentioned that, Craig, because they put it down fresh for the Xfinity series 
And then people were asking if more was going to get put down for the Cup Series, and they said no, not at all. So the question is, how much was there, and could it be more slicker if they even added more? You know, Taz, my thing is, is like, it's common knowledge to know that a hot track is a slick track, right? Like, the reason why NASCAR got so vanilla on Saturday night and Sunday night racing with the lights on is because the track never really heated up and the cars didn't respond well to a racetrack with that much downforce and grip. So now you've taken Texas and you put it back in the daytime, the middle of the heat, the asphalt, I mean, it's Texas freaking asphalt, baby. It's hot. And you get a slick race car, and then you get action on the racetrack. Do you know how many times I've seen somebody uh, have to catch it going up through the corner? And you know how awesome that is that you can't run that wide the hell open? If we, if we don't stop, we're going to turn this into another show, so... Uh, my bad for saying those bad words the other day, and I'll come out and apologize now. But we need to move on, and I hope that our good friend, Miss Lee Reed, is uh, listening to the show here tonight. Um, we she love is. you, and uh, glad, to have, uh, glad to have your ears peeled back. Hopefully, we're going to keep you laughing and cheered up. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, Beth, Craig? Say that again, Chris. I lost you. Oh, uh, uh I'm good, man. I was uh, uh, basically going to the next subject. Okay. Go ahead. What's next? next? I, don't have, I don't have the itinerary in front of me. I'm driving. Uh, Miss Lee said NASCAR Goodyear didn't do enough testing, obviously. No, and they yeah. should have. When they did the, when they did the, when they put the compound down, they knew it, and I said this a couple minutes ago, they knew it was going to be hot that weekend, so they didn't have to add any more. Uh, it didn't rubber up the track like it should have. It made the track like banana peels, and that was, you know, that was where the spins were coming from, minus the tires going down. So NASCAR needs to figure that sh- stuff out for next time. I don't think so. I mean, what are we taking away from Texas? That was so terrible. Like, I love to see guys overdriving race cars. I love to see oh, them Oh, I do, too. I want to see them. You know, That's what they Kyle get paid Bush. for. Kyle Busch does not like his new race car, and I don't give a damn what anybody says. Kyle Busch has wrecked more race cars this year than I've seen him wreck since he was in his rookie years. Kyle Busch has jumped a lot of damn race cars this year, y'all. <laughs> hey, listen. And I think, not for nothing, I think but Brexton one, Bush. Not for nothing, but Brexton Bush has more black hats at Texas than his daddy does. Yeah, that's a Oh, that mercy! that So there's so much more to get to. Let's 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 turn the page on how shitty the track was, or the tires. Let's talk about the attitudes and the tempers that have been flared up. Uh, this past weekend. Of course, we have two incidents uh, with some fines. Taz Taylor, why don't you tell us about these fines real quick? We're going to give you some uh, some talk time. This man Craig All right. seemed to want to hog the mic so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, not that long ago, uh, some black flags are thrown at two drivers this week from the Cup Series 
Uh, both at William Byron and Ty Gibbs. William Byron fined $50,000 and penalized 25 driver and owner points. Ty Gibbs fined $75,000 and penalized 25 owner points. Mm. Byron was penalized and fined for bumping Hamlin out of position during the late race caution period. He with this penalty, he will go from plus 17, which was good enough for third in the playoffs above the cut line, he, to now he sits 10th under the cut line, eight points behind the cut line. Ty Gibbs was fined and penalized for veering into the 42 car of Ty Dillon on pit road. The contact came in close proximity uh, to pit crew personnel and NASCAR <clears throat> officials working in a nearby pit stall. Wow. Not too smart by Tigers. Look, you want a Darth moment? I'm going to give you a Darth moment. Why the hell didn't Ty Gibbs get owner points? I mean, why the hell didn't Ty Gibbs get uh, uh, driver points deducted? Because he didn't, Ty he didn't, Gibbs... He didn't, he didn't, I'm going to explain Go ahead. Ty Gibbs... Ty Gibbs got penalized owner points and not driver points because he's declared for Xfinity points. So, therefore, he Thank cannot you. earn driver points in the Cup Series. Thank you. He can, Thank you, Ted. He can, he can run for owner points because, he, because the team is fielding the car, even though it's not an actual, say, full-time driver in the car. I'd say just take him for Bubba because that was his car at the beginning of the year anyway, but then I'd have a – Probably a bunch of dumbass race fans mad at me for saying that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that's uh, that. Obviously, Denny Hamlin has a big notebook of people to get back once he's out of the championship race. Now, would would this not be setting up Denny Hamlin for a championship, right? Because because you're waiting for the time when you're out of a championship so that you can finally retaliate to somebody. And uh, what if that moment never comes? What if he, what if he's secretly just saying to himself, look, I, I, I I'm, I'm trying to win a championship. Or is there, what, what is Denny Hamlin's mentality right now? As he seems to be pumped <laughs> every weekend out on the racetrack. Yeah. He's going to take out Byron and, uh, Chastain in the playoffs at some point. But I think he's going to save Chastain for when it really counts. What about Chase Elliott? Isn't there we'll beef see. between those two? I, don't, I didn't think so. Oh, okay. Not Maybe in, that was last year. Not in recent memory. Yeah. I, I think he still owes Chase Elliott one from last year. So, I don't know. Is Denny Hamlin ever going to sell the score? If he wins a championship, is the score finally settled? You know, is that is that Denny? Because look, when you're Denny Hamlin's age, that he's at now, um, you have to keep winning if you're going to plan on driving race cars. They're not going to let you hang around the sport very long uh, if you if you don't win. And I think his opportunity for championships are uh, well, you know, they're they're getting they're getting down to. Uh, the moment. He's got a few years left probably at Joe Gibbs, and then he'll more than likely switch over to his own team, or who knows, maybe he possibly just retires 
and uh, takes full control of his race team. I'm not sure what Denny Hamlin's going to do. But I do know that he's got a lot of scores to settle. Uh, obviously, NASCAR turned a blind eye, we thought. How in the world four people in the committee up in the tower missed uh, Denny Hamlin getting basically ran over? And, and then what, was Denny Hamlin penalized for retaliation? Oh, I don't know. Watch Denny Hamlin try to retaliate? I don't remember that. I might have missed that part. Denny Hamlin retaliated on William Byron and uh, (coughs) gave him the old wiggle up on the the, uh, rear of the race car. I've got video proof that it did happen. Um, But now for the Ty Gibbs incident, what I heard about that as well was that there was uh, people sitting on the on the uh, there was crew members and stuff back, uh, sitting on the wall, not facing the racetrack. Uh, be it the, it was after the race and on pit row, and uh, so there was some, not just that official uh, was put into danger, but also um, uh, uh, crew members and staff as well. Let's talk about Cody Ware real quick. I mean, if you watched the race and you've seen the gruesome hit, um, you all had to have taken a, 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 holding, a hold your breath moment um, as you were waiting to see Cody Ware step out of the race car. I've seen some pretty vicious hits uh, over the years, and I've seen some pretty vicious hits. I feel like they're vicious hits in this car. Once again, the car didn't shred away like we're so used to seeing uh, but more or less got a really big nose job and, and basically um, uh, it was down. It, it, the car was scaled to be a lot smaller now than what it was to begin with. Did you guys ca- happen to catch that, Rick? I'm, I'm waiting to see if uh, y'all have some response to this. Rick, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Cody wears first uh question once he hit the wall was uh uh where's Cody? Yeah, where did Craig go? <laughs> Craig Craig fell out. <clears throat> yeah, where's Cody? Oh uh yeah. I'm gonna throw this thing slide pull it up. Uh Cup Series race at Texas Averaged 1.908 million average viewers on the USA Network last weekend. The event was down 21.7% compared to last year at 2.436 million average viewers on NBC as a late October playoff race. You know, Taz, I feel like this is a direct hit from playing that this car isn't a good car, and a lot of negativity going through the sport right now. Uh, I think it's the playoff system in general, not really the new car, just the playoff system in general this year. I mean, you've got 19 different winners, which is a record, which is a tying record right now. Right. Shouldn't that that make the fans more interested? It should be in a sense. Colin Cowherd is correct. We are fascinated with dominance. We are fascinated with dynasties. We are fascinated with uh, uh, the, you know, the, the three P's and the four P's. We're, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what we salivate over. It, parody is, isn't what we want in sports, right? 
domination. But in the playoff system, though, it's like, I don't know, I feel like we're really truly seeing the flaws in this because we're not seeing the consistency fully be rewarded in some in some kind of sense, you know? I mean, we're four playoff races in, and not one playoff driver has won mm-hmm. a race yet. And, and and reverse that over the so many years of the chase. It's been quite the opposite. This is the this is when they say ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance, and they don't tell you that little point oh 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 one. It's it's this is that moment, right? This is where you know history says that you're going to have this one year, you know, this this 200-year flood. Um, that's, you know, that's what this is right now in NASCAR. It's not going to – this is not going to sustain – be sustainable. There are – there will be teams that make leaps and bounds once, uh, once NASCAR allows some of these guys to basically engineer the car. They are going to continue to press NASCAR and say, this car sucks, this car sucks, this car sucks, because that's what the engineer is telling the teams to say. That is what the engineers, when they're reporting to the, to the owner of the race team, they're saying, we need this, and if, this is where NASCAR is holding us back. So they go to NASCAR and, and complain, 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 until finally the sanctioning body says, oh, my God, I'm tired of hearing y'all complain. Here's this. That's the way racing works, Taz Taylor. You've been around racing long enough. You should know this. I just spoke a little gospel right there. I might need to calm my ass down. I mean, like, I, I understand the direction NASCAR is going, but also – in a sense that they have to understand that this playoff system is only going to work for so much and the flaws are going to come out eventually. And it nearly got 110% exposed this year with how many different winners we got going into the playoffs. Now we're up to 19 and no playoff driver has won a race since the playoffs has started. Yeah. So unreal. Where does, where can where can we go back to the NASCAR drawing board and say, hey, look, we all our system worked to a sense up until this point when it nearly got exposed. How can we reevaluate to do this situation and we don't expose ourselves again? Well, that's a that's a good question to ask. Because I mean, really, if you think about it, the owner the owner points should be the driver's points too. But because of Kurt Busch's injury, and Kurt Busch said, "Listen, I don't want to waste a playoff spot. Give it to somebody else that should earn it." Basically, open up the door for somebody. Yeah, I mean, do we are we looking at a possibility that Tyler Reddick would probably win? the cup championship if he had not been eliminated. That's what's going to be the interesting parallel to all this, right, Taz? Is what is what is Tyler Reddick going to do from here? Because Tyler Reddick is no longer eligible 
championship. But the hottest driver since July has been none other than Tyler Reddick. And shoot, he's, I think the first round really costed him. Because, boy, there were some tracks that were favoriting him that could have ended, that could have had him into the round of eight, possibly the championship four. But what worried me the most is that during the regular season in the oval races, in which he proved wrong this past weekend, was that anytime he ran well and was up front, he would find a way to somehow not finish the race. And on road courses, he was the guy to beat. So when you put that into perspective, you're sitting here thinking to yourself, Tyler Reddick runs well on these on these tracks, but you've you got to sit here back and think to yourself, he's ran well at some of those familiar tracks. And he ended up not finishing because of either some sort of mechanical failure or some just something going wrong in the car that costed him to finish the race. And you look at road courses, there's only one road course on the playoff schedule, and that's Charlotte Roval. So now you've got to sit here and think, um, was Tyler Reddick really set to go for the playoffs, or was he not? And when you look back at the regular season, you say, no, he, no, he wasn't. But he proved us wrong that if had the first round gone the way he was hoped and stayed in the and moved on to the round of 12, He'll be guaranteed right now into the round of eight. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, possibly could go off and win the next two races. I mean, Talladega's crap. Anybody can win it. Uh, but Richard Childress race cars have always been fast at Talladega and Daytona. Um, they're going. Then we go to the Roval. This kid's won a road course race already this year. You know, we haven't even mentioned Noah Gregson's four Pete, right? So, I mean, you know, who's to say Tyler Reddick doesn't go on a roll here? But just because we're having an off year, do we do we just stop what we're doing all of a sudden? It has been exposed. I called this. Come on. Y'all give me the credit. I called this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, look, is this, is this format going to fit what we've got going on this year? It's not fit. It, um, I somehow feel like Chase Elliott will be somehow crowned the champion when this is all said and done. I'm not giving away my pick early for the championship, but, I, I mean, you know, look, especially with the penalty that happened today with William Byron, it's like they looked at the stats because I was surprised as hell that William Byron got a penalty, right? And so then when I looked at it, I said, well, who does this benefit the most? Oh, well, look at there. There's the golden child. No wonder. Okay. You know, got to make sure he gets there. So, you know, because he can get that cheated stuff. That's another thing. Um, I mean, we're we're um, giving the championship to somebody that goes out and wins one race. But but only in the Super Bowl does one game particularly make or break a season. Why don't we have a system where it's the last three races of the year? You know, I mean, really. Like, why does it have to be four guys battling it out in the last race? Why can't this be... You know, I think there is holes in the armor. But I think and I'm, all this, I'm gonna is, about, all this, this. is about ratings, right? This is where the conversation came from, Dad Taylor. It came because we were talking about the ratings. 
how is this year not as exciting as any other year ever? We should be pulling in twice the fans. I honestly think um, that the they should they need to reevaluate the system and go. And this is how I think they should go out. They either need to do one of two things. One is you can do this win in your in type deal, but you do the last ten races the old chase version way. So essentially, um, the last ten races, those sixteen drivers or however many, however many drivers they want mm-hmm. to contend for the ball. championship, go do point system oh, racing. Yeah. Essentially, give give them their playoff yeah. points or whatever yeah. at the end of the regular season when they do the points reset. Start there, and then however many points he earned throughout the 10 races. At the end of those 10 races, whoever's on top of that small ladder is the champion. Or we'll flip things around for a bit. The top 16 in points at the end of the regular season are into the playoffs, and we just do the playoffs like normal. We award the top 16 drivers who have rightfully earned their spots there by being the top 16 most consistent drivers all year long. Shoot, look at Martin Truex freaking junior. Fourth in points and missed the freaking playoffs. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That means the system's broke. Look, take the last, take 10 drivers for the last 10 races. And then, and then however it works, it works, right? Because very rarely is somebody going to come out of 11th or 12th and actually win a championship in the old style at least. I don't know how the hell it would work in this new style, but uh, have we, I don't think we've ever pulled a champion from the 12th or 14th or 16th spot. I think that uh, we know. So at least in football, there's evidence that uh, a 9-7 team like the New York Giants went out and beat the undefeated uh, Tampa, uh, uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, listen to me. The New England Patriots, Tom Brady, right? They ruined their perfect season, a 9-7 team. Right, uh, we've seen that in football, but we've never seen a 16th place driver go win a championship. I think I think if Denny Hamlin wins the championship this year, it'll it's it'll be astonishing that a guy who was 21st in points has somehow this year won the championship. I think that 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 in itself, the long term, may have some kind of sex appeal to it. No, you know, I mean, no pun intended, two finger uh, Denny, uh, uh, Hamlin, but. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, fact of it is, is look, you know, it is what it is. Chris, I want to, Chris, I want to bring up something to you. So, if you remember back to when I shared this on the Race Chat Live page of, um, if you go to uh, diecastcharv.com, he's been the guy that's been running that. He's been keeping track of the current point structure, which is basically uh, mm-hmm. your bonus points for the stages and, of course, your race finishing order, so 40, and then 35, 34, 33, and so forth, um, that point structure. And you run that through each and every point system era that NASCAR has used. 
Um, he hasn't updated the Texas or post-Texas deal, but after the Bristol race, in the Winston Cup format, he has in top 10 points. Uh, Chase Elliott right now leading with uh, 1,019 points. Kyle Larson sits second, 132 points back. That's about nearly a full two races. Actually, uh, that's pretty close to a full two race uh, advantage right there. Right. And then you got Joey Logano in third, uh, 135 behind. Christopher Bell, 136 behind. Laney's 138 behind. Truex, 6, 158 behind, tied with Ross Chastain. In eighth, 228 points back is Byron Kyle Busch. That's ninth, 239 back. And Harvick is the top 10, 276 back. Now, if we go, now let's go back to the chase format. As I had mentioned earlier, um, Christopher Bell would have started the chase at seven and we current, would be the current chase point leader. Um, William Byron would have started 10th, and he would be sitting second. Kyle Larson started 5th, would be 3rd. Chastain, who started 6th, would be 4th. Chase Elliott, who started on top of the leaderboard, now sitting 5th. Ryan Blaney, who started 3rd, falls to 6th. Logano, who started 2nd, falls to 7th. Truex Jr., who started 4th, now 8th. And then Kyle Busch uh, started eighth, is now sitting ninth. And Harvick, who started ninth, falls to tenth. And it's kind of pretty much similar for um, after that, basically, except for in the one they added Tyler Reddick and Alex Bowman. They were pretty much the next two um, when they went to 12 on the expansion there. And then, of course, the uh, the playoff nonsense happening after that. But essentially, we're looking at something needs to change here because if you look back at the uh, current, if you look back at some of the older systems, Martin Truex Jr. is locked in. Tyler Reddick locked in. Alex Bowman locked in. I mean, not to say that Bowman's, you know, not locked in now. I mean, Bowman's, right, still, right. Bowman's still in the playoffs. Reddick is out. But if you look at the old Chiefs format, Reddick still has a chance. Right, right. And he could very well run off and click him a couple more W's. And Drew um, still has a chance. He's not, sitting, he's not a sitting duck who's essentially locked in as 17th place points finisher because he was sitting top five in regular season points all season long. But because he didn't win, he doesn't get to contend for a championship. I mean, you know, when your fourth place guy in points doesn't make the championship, and we start picking holes. And we've done that since this process started. Now, once again, do you scrap the whole package just because this loaf of bread has gone bad? You know, this this year has not been the typical race season. 
And I don't think that next year will be anything like this year. I really don't. Um, I expect some guys to start separating themselves, some teams to start separating themselves. Um, But here I am waiting on some of the powerhouse teams to get their gear together, and a few of them are already behind the ball, Taz Taylor. Chase Elliott, perfect example. Yeah, he has every year – or. Every round in the playoffs, he has – he's the only one with a point gap. And the first round, you know, we can't really argue much because of the fact that the small little gap he had was kind of erased after the first race, and then he was shuffled through, um, still above the cut line for the other two races. But for this round – Again, start with a decent, decent. I don't want to say good cushion because it wasn't that much. So I'll I'll put it decent. He had a decent gap on the rest of the field, and then all of a sudden he was like just falling short under the cut line in one race. I mean that does show how tight the points margin is uh, for the playoffs, but at the same time. This is where the points flaw is coming into play. The system is starting to show its flaws this year. Yeah. It has. It's got some holes in it. And I'm telling what we'll have at the end of the year. Like I said, somehow or another, similar to the Jimmy Johnson years, uh, Hendrick Motorsports and Chase Elliott is going to pull this one out of their hat. And, <coughs> and Craig just popped in you. saying Craig just popped in saying doesn't help that three non chase drivers won the first three races. Actually if you kinda <laughs> want to throw in there, there's four because Tyler Reddick technically is not in the chase now. Right. But no, it doesn't necessarily help but in the sense that um but in that sense there, Craig this is where the win, the win, and you're in type deal is starting to, you know, starting to become a lie. Yeah, because I yeah. want to race in the chase, and I'm not going to the championship. I think that I think that's that should be it. Then, if you win, then you get to race for a championship. At uh, at at Homestead, unfortunately, it's Phoenix though. <laughs> Boy, I wish we had Homestead again. As a championship race, I would prefer yeah. Homestead to be it. But hey, we're gonna go to Phoenix. We're gonna stay there. Which I have nothing against Phoenix, and I think it. And obviously, the facility itself. Um, has, I think the facility has obviously has the potential to host championship weekend, but something about when you look back at it, Homestead was always always ended up being a night race, and the championship race was under the lights, and you could reward the champion, you know, in a nice nightly setting, you know, nice way to end the night, nice way to end the season. Phoenix doesn't entirely feel like that. 
you don't get that night race type feel. And I wonder why. You know, is it the configuration, the reconfiguration so many times? Or what is the oddball about Phoenix? I think it's just the West Coast. And I want to touch up on this. Uh, Miss Lee says the parity of the cars and parity of troubles played havoc with the system this year. So they do need to reevaluate the championship slash playoff system. But I think Phoenix is just because it's on the West Coast. So us, so most of us fans that are sitting, you know, on the Eastern side of us, so like the East Coast and the uh, Central Time Zone fans, are not really accustomed to this championship setting because when you, because. Chris, you can hit, you can point me in the wrong or in the right direction if I'm going the wrong way. But in other sports, you got the World Series, you got the Super Bowl, you got I'm trying to think of some other sports here, NBA, NHL, Cup. obviously, uh, obviously mm-hmm. you got those. Family those are indoor, Cup. but um. You ha- the championship settings for those sports happen at what time, Chris? In the evening time, right? You know when. Yeah. So why is NASCAR missing the spot? The evening sports spot. The is evening that what you're spot, asking? like, like where, like, yeah. how? If they want to do the playoffs type system to match with other sports, now why is their championship, I guess you could say championship game or championship race, not under the same setting as the other sports are with their championships? That's a good, that's a good uh, uh, analysis. Um, you know, I think that Jim France and Ben Kennedy – uh, the two people that seem to be running NASCAR these days, I think that they agreed that NASCAR should be a daytime series and uh, uh, a Sunday afternoon series. And, you know, um, you would be able to bring in more appeal, I think, on the evening time. But, you know, when you see 28 million people watch the NFL football game, and how many people watch NASCAR? 24 million people watched a Philadelphia Eagles game last week, Taz Taylor. But they're missing the prime time is kind of where I'm hitting on this, which is more of your NASCAR's evening NASCAR's not trying setting. to compete with it. How can you compete? How can you, a network will buy you just to – they make so much money off of football that they would buy your sport just to put you at a back burner, right? <laughs> when you're competing with uh, the NFL, they can get 24 and 28 million viewers. They're not worried about your 2 million viewers uh, established fan base. You're not, you're not selling TV. I mean, sure, most of the time the Daytona 500 outdoes the uh, – the NBA All-Star Game the same weekend. Most of the time, that you know, but that's the Super Bowl of racing, right? That's the biggest race of the year, which is something I think we should change. 
we should run the Super Bowl race of the year at the end of the at the end of the year. And it should be a Daytona. Because if our champion doesn't really matter, then at least don't put it at a racetrack where one manufacturer or one team can get a a, a good setup like we've seen so many years with Jimmy Johnson's domination at Lowe's Motor Speedway or you know, Dale Jr.'s domination at Talladega, you know, back before racing become this, you know, glob of what it's become now. Uh, you know, it just be making a crapshoot, right? Whoever wins, wins the championship. Or out of these 16 drivers, I don't know. So, Miss Lee puts in our chat here, that is why a Saturday night race would be better for more races. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, NASCAR stepped away from that. And, and I think that that's been the influence of, of other forms of racing that have said, hey, NASCAR, quit taking our limelight, right? Quit taking our prime time spot. We have people who are no longer coming to races because they're going to sit at home and watch the races. It's the same battle we're having with uh, with the whole live streaming of races, right? I mean, so half the group will tell you flow racing is killing racing, and the other half says, oh, my gosh, look how wonderful, look how great it makes racing. You're finally being able to put the guys on a big stage, you know? But there's promoters saying, hey, man, this is killing my racetrack because people can sit at home for $150 a year and watch racing instead of go to the racetrack. My argument is who's going to want to sit at home if they can actually go? Well, Miss Lee adds, but then again, it begs the question of shortening season. So we aren't competing with football. Well, in a sense, NASCAR did shorten the season for next year because we only got one off week next year for the cup schedule. Well, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick seems to want to go to shorter races. People want to go to shorter years. Um, I I say race all year long, right? Uh, I say give the guys – couple weeks off throughout the year to take breaks. I think we should crown champions that are short track champions and super speedway champions and road course champions and mix all those whoa, guys whoa, right. Whoa, Chris. Wouldn't that, huh? You're now oh, throwing in some Arca Flair. Oh, oh, my bad. I didn't mean to get all flary over here. You got you got some Arca Flair in you. Because Arca used to do um, because ARCA, before they branched out into what they are now, um, ARCA used to do their normal, like, 20-race schedule for the year, but they also had, like, um, like mini-series in there. And essentially, they had, like, the Short Track Challenge, which is basically a little – which is basically, like, um, a short track, you know, point series type deal where so that drivers who are not able to run a full ARCA schedule, they have a championship of some sort to run for, and that's what the short track challenge was meant for. And I think they also did one for um, the bigger oval tracks. I don't think they did anything for road courses, but for, like, the bigger oval tracks, I do believe they did something for that too. But I just remember the short track. Uh, one for sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just want to bring uh, attention to these guys who are really good at their craft. Uh, you know, you've seen so many years, Brett Keselowski and Kyle Busch and Kurt Busch, 
these guys have certain crafts at certain racetracks, and, uh, you know, they they never really get that kind of recognition for it. Um, you know, uh, in a sport where we're going to a third of our season, damn near, uh, being road course racing, you know, it uh, you know it changes the complexity of the series. I, I really feel like that, Taylor, and we've been in this for several years now. We're in a growing stage, like, we're in the middle right now of NASCAR evolving, right? And there's been a lot that we've evolved to over the last few years. And there's been, you know, a lot of changes, some good, some bad. Uh, some we just really hadn't got the feel on uh, yet. Uh, you, you know, we're, we're talking about people who get hurt in a race car, right? Oh, this car's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Let's, let's stop the racing. Let's cancel the races because we have a dangerous car out here that's going to kill somebody. Uh, did not Dale Earnhardt Jr. suffer a major concussion driving the other car? Did Eric Amarola not break his back driving the other car? So, you know, of course there's a sense of danger in this sport, and I think that we have a lot of overreaction with the, with the change, uh, the evolution of, of racing and what it's become right now. We're so fixed on what we feel like NASCAR should be that, uh, that, you know, we're, we're kind of standing against the whole progressiveness of this sport evolving to what it's going to be in the future. It's not going to be the same sport that it was 20 years ago. And I think most of us have accepted that. Uh Oh, too much. What was that? Oh, sorry, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good, my friend. All right, so I guess, uh, let's see. Let's see where we're at on the itinerary. All uh, right, so I got a stat of the day real quick. I got a stat of the day I want to throw in here. I know I seen it just a second ago. Stat of the day, stat of the day. I the crazy one, NASCAR two. stat I found today. So far through 2022, there is not a single driver who has led laps, led, who has led 1,000 laps. The last time there was a season without a 1,000 laps led leader was 1960. The closest it's been since was 2002 when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was the only one with 1,068 laps led. Start of the day, start of the day. There you go, Chris. It's, right, it's what hard to believe. No, that no, that was the one. I I thought you had something different. Oh no! You got me there. No. Wow! Out of all that research, we found the same one. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. That's how great minds think alike. Um. So yep. Uh, that's uh. Reported penalties: Goodyear tire failures, Gregson red hot and Xfinity. Oh man. Oh God! Four in a row? Are you kidding me? I yeah. So, shoot! I mean, is this guy finally? Are we finally starting to see a driver start to assert their dominance? And also, this question remains here, Chris. Now that Gregson has his uh, 2023 uh, plus maybe whatever future endeavors he's got planned. Um, lined up. Now that he's got that off his shoulder, do you think 
Ted Gregson's now out here in Xfinity trying to go out with a bang before he goes off to up to the Xfinity series? As a matter of fact, I think that he should just step away from any of his cup obligations and focus on winning the championship because it would be a crying damn shame to watch a guy win four races in a row and not challenge at least for the championship at the end of the year. And, you know, there's a possibility of other things happening on the Cup Series side. I think that, that would, that's the point where you say, hey, uh, I'm going to not do what Ty Gibbs is doing. I'm going to take the pressure off, and I'm, I'm going to focus on making sure I leave this number nine as a champion. And uh, I think that that's, uh, you know, uh, Ty Gibbs can do whatever the hell he wants to do. I've got a point to make with Ty Gibbs here in just a minute. I think Larry Mack summed it up best for him. But, you know, you've got to do what your competitor's not going to do or not doing. And Ty Gibbs, obviously, if he's being fast-tracked to the Cup Series, I think uh, that uh, Coach Gibbs is going to continue to keep him in the 23 car. Why they haven't thrown John Hunter Nemechek in the seat or why they haven't brought in another driver outside of Ty Gibbs it leads me to only believe that Ty Gibbs will be the successor at the 18 car because, obviously – We've been told by Joe Gibbs and Kyle Busch he's not racing there, but we haven't seen who's going to be racing in the 18, and I think we're all kind of asking ourselves, why? Why don't we know who's racing the 18, right? Uh, because is this Joe Gibbs that's going to have to renege and say, yeah, um, I was putting Ty Gibbs in the race car after I said that he was going to run full-time Xfinity next year? So, you know, if I'm Ty Gibbs and I'm going up to uh, cup racing, then, uh, you know, I think that I would want to leave the Xfinity Series with the championship as well. This is where, you know, you have to you have to kind of play your card. If I was Noah Gregson, I would quit all obligations on the cup side and focus on winning that championship uh, for junior motorsports. And speaking of junior motorsports with the number nine, there will be a new driver because obviously Gregson uh, will be moving up to cup. And I'm sorry, Dale this is Jr., a bad I don't know what you're thinking, man. Oh, good God. He's bringing sorry, some money to I have the to throw this in. I have to throw this in before the roundtable, but we sadly have a new driver in the Junior Motorsports Xfinity number nine car. And why in God's creation and what does Dale Jr. see in this guy as far as talent-wise? Because obviously he's obviously money is there and sponsorship is there, but Brandon Jones, just why? What does he see in this kid? Yeah, yeah. I, I money, obviously a paycheck. Ms. Dale Jr. reminiscing on Menards being a sponsor of DEI, and this is his way of getting <laughs> getting the Menard sponsorship back under his wing. I, I mean, I'm just really. I'm sure Dale Jr., all he had to do is ask Paul, and I'm sure he would have thrown him some kind of uh, some kind of little extra, you know, to, some kind of sponsorship money or something. I'm not sure. Did you see the picture of uh, Brandon Jones's uh, 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 driver's suit and all of the sponsors that he had on his on his driver's suit, Taz Taylor? Like, there, there's not any room for anybody else to – sponsor NASCAR because Brandon Jones has all the sponsorship. And I'm not surprised. 
Now that we're talking about sponsorship money, but doesn't have much of uh, talent to back it up. Yeah, yeah, it's a disastrous pick by Junior Motorsports. Um, And I would have picked Brandon Brown to be the successor of the nine before I picked Brandon Jones. I would have made a call to somebody like Sheldon Creed or Austin Hill. Buy them out of their RCR contracts. But hey, that might that might ruin their chances of developing through RCR and help with Kyle Busch next year. So don't don't shoot me here. Yeah, I'm about to send you a picture of this kid's uniform, and you count the sponsors. Chris, I don't want to count. I don't want it going to hurt my head, man. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Here we go. I want to send it to the group here. Bam. It's like 20 sponsors on the front of his uniform. So, obviously, the kid has a lot of money that follows him. I don't know who I'll the daddy is. I don't know. Eight. Huh? <laughs> I love it's like after eight. It's like looking at the four watts salute by the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, right? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I mean, you tell me who else has representation like that. Look, that's your local congressman right there. That's that's who he's represented by. Holy crap. Talk about a lobbyist. Somebody's a politician in Brandon Jones' family. <coughs> All right, so we've hit all of our hot topics. We've reviewed Texas in a sense. Yeah, just real quick, Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown got kicked out of his ride. This will be the last time that we see Brandon Brown in a Brandon Bill race car, and that sucks because if Brandon built the race car, why can't Brandon drive the race car? Brandon Brandon Brown's career was literally destroyed, Taz Taylor, because some dumb idiot – announcer either purposely you know tried to fool the world by thinking that he that saying that he was let go Brandon or or way it's just a complete travesty to see this happen to this young man who who just wants to race race cars and you know we don't have to spend no time on it but is being let go from Brandon Bill race cars after this race this weekend, and he is looking for a ride for the 2023 race season. Maybe Junior Motorsports can squeeze him in. Junior, Junior doesn't want. He's uh, Junior has Wait, to no. stay. He no, has to stay on the other side, got, Taz. <clears throat> yeah, because yeah, you got he, Sam Mayer. You got too many interests. Oh, Geyer. No, it's just got too Mayer, much. Allgaier, Barry, and now Brandon Jones, so he's all full. Yeah. Brandon Jones has a bright future. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> he can't even win an ARCA, and there's only four guys on the freaking lead lap in ARCA. <laughs> Speaking of, real quick. So we are talking about Xfinity, and it's funny that we're talking about Xfinity because we never talk about Xfinity, but we got to get to the roundtable. Look, 
I don't know if you guys watched the art, the uh, I keep saying ARCA, the Xfinity, the Xfinity race, but there was a kid in there named Nick Sanchez, and I know Miss Lee can chime in on this. Nick Sanchez was in that 48 car, and let me tell you something. That boy drove the wheels off of that machine. I cannot wait to see more of what Nick Sanchez can do outside of the ARCA series. Because I'll be honest with you, I thought the ARCA series was pretty dried up outside of Rajah Caruth and Nick Sanchez. But, man, I tell you what, uh, that, that Sanchez kid, he might really have it going on. I can't wait to see it. Yep, Miss Lee's already typing, I think. Yep, she's going, she's going to have something to say about this. Nick is one to watch. See, I told you. Boom. Miss Lee, that's what she said. All right, well, I'm ready for the round table if you are. Who's y'all eliminating this right. week, anyway? Well, Chris, you can throw in your sense on this, but last week, uh, Craig and I made our individual picks for the round of 12. Craig had round eliminated Cindric, uh, Briscoe, Bell, and Blaney, while I eliminated Suarez, Briscoe, Bowman, and Cindric. Uh, that left Cindric and Briscoe, the only ones with two votes. Bell, Blaney, Suarez, and Bowman had one vote. And we were waiting for what you had uh, for your bottom four, but we didn't get that. So we kind of have to go off. Kind of had to go off the two of us, but um, which the two of us had Cindric and Briscoe saying goodbye, see you later. There's the door. Cindric mm-hmm. and Briscoe. I mean, yeah, I can now, see why the Fords are holding the rear. Um, now before I can, the I can possibly 12... agree with that. But Cindric's had a pretty good run here of late. He's one of these but... guys that is benefiting from the disasters that the other teams have been having. So it's not really that he's great. It's just he's 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 been able to capitalize better finishes off the backs of the ones who have had bad finishes. Now, the question remains, who were your bottom four before we started racing Texas? I didn't give y'all those. I don't know. I didn't see any. Jeez, I don't know. I wish you would have given me some homework or something. Uh, On the spot here. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of agree. I don't know. I need – somebody give me a list real quick. Give me a list. All right. You got uh, Chase, Logano, Blaney, Hamlin, yeah. Bell, Byron, Larson, Bowman, Briscoe, Suarez, Chastain, Cindric. Those are your 12. The Suarez, Suarez for sure. Nobody's, nobody's touching Chastain. There was one point in time I was looking at Chastain. He was almost a whole race up on everybody. So, you could have wrecked Chastain. And he would have—he's still going to transfer. Like I mean, that's—that's that's, you know, Chastain seems to really be in competition for uh, at least the final, uh, the the when there's when there's eight, whatever that is, the final eight, uh, out All on right. the date with so, the last eight or something. Uh, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, uh, man. Who the hell wants to throw Chase Elliott out? I do. I want to throw Chase Elliott out. Look. You're throwing Chase Elliott out. Elliott out. I'm throwing him out. All right, so I have three, so unless I miss the fourth. I'm keeping Cindric, though. 
I'm keeping Cedric and I'm throwing Chase Elliott out. And Bowman, Bowman, you got to go. All Bowman right, so let me tally up these votes here. So Suarez, that's going to make it two for him. You said Briscoe. Briscoe's the only driver with three votes. Dang, Chase Elliott got thrown into the mix. So that's one vote for him. And you also said Alex Bowman. Mm-hmm. All right, so Briscoe definitely out the door with three votes. This essentially leaves the two vote Four people, and there's, three the of them, and there's three of them, ironically, which is Cindric, which Craig and I basically eliminated last week, and then there's Suarez and Alex Bowman. Just remember, I'm the one that well, picked Chase Elliott. Oh, don't you worry. It's it's down in my record book. I don't like him. It's <laughs> probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> Craig said he picked Chris Bowman has, and Byron. Chris, Chris probably has Chris probably has a hundred and one ways has a book of a hundred and one ways to piss off Chase Elliott fans. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I feel like a Kyle Bush fan when I'm at Talladega. And you really? Can, you can, uh, dude, them people around there are crazy about Chase Elliott. I mean, I remember when I remember when those were Dale Jr. fans. Now they're Chase Elliott fans. Now I feel like Kyle Bush. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a Kyle Bush fan. Because I'm not pulling when they're screaming when Chase Elliott takes the lead, I'm booing and can't nobody hear my boo. Cause they're all screaming, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, you. All right, so Craig has. Let's see. Craig said he would eliminate Bowman and Byron. For this week, mm-hmm. I'm still sticking my gun on Bowman. Well, hold on. What what are we looking at for a playoff system now? With this penalty, Byron was assessed. Hold on, we gotta look at this here, folks. All right, so we have we have Logano as the point leader, Ross Chastain second, Kyle Larson third, Ryan Blaney fourth. All of those four drivers are at least 20 points in the good. Uh, Denny Hamlin is fifth, 15 points ahead above the cut line. Suarez, sixth. Suarez and Chase Elliott uh, both are 11 points in the good above the cut line. Chase Briscoe is now seven points in above the cut line. So on the bottom right now is Austin Sindrick minus seven, William Byron minus eight, Christopher Bell minus twenty five, and Alex Bowman minus twenty six. Mm-hmm. Now, for my picks, I'm I'm still sticking with Bowman. Something with Bowman's inconsistency is just telling me no. And when you look, when I looked at Bowman's stats for this track, Charlotte Roval literally is the only good stat he has for this round. His average finish at Texas 
and Talladega are nearly identical. 24.5 at Texas and 24.4 at Talladega. They can't quite get the plate racing there. The <clears throat> super speedway racing, Alex Bowman. And I'm sorry, Which? that's volumes as to why you're not moving on to the round of 12, Bowman. Low bow out, exactly. out the door. Wow. I wish and, I had the door closing thing going on so you could hear it go. You know what I mean? As for Suarez, we can argue this in the simple fact that he wasn't in good competitive rides before Trackhouse, but his average finishes at Texas, 17.3. So we're already doing better than Bowman. Uh, 22.1 at Talladega, slightly better, not much. And here's his downfalls, which is the Roval, 23.3. And that puts him at an average finish of 20.9 for the round. And that's on the very low end of the spectrum. So I had to get rid of him. Wow. And with where... Um, with where things are, I don't know, because I'm hoping to God Christopher Bell turns things around in the next two races. Hmm. Pretty well. But he's probably going to win the road. Here's, here's here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going with this, Chris. At Talladega, Bell's average finish is a 22.4, and at the Roval, he's got an average finish of 16. So, he has the good advantage over Suarez on the Charlotte Roval, but Talladega, they're nearly neck and neck. So, it's hard to – for me, it's hard to pick which one of those two. But if I had to go with who's got the hotter momentum, I think it's Bell, but I, I'm hoping to God Bell doesn't, didn't create himself uh, too much of a giant hole for him to not get out of. I mean, sure, no, he saw it from Harvin last round. There's such a separation between what finished in 12th and 40th. And that's that's where we really have to look at the guts of this. If you were to go out there and finish 12th, you're going to maximum, you know, win a couple of stages, finish 12th, hey, you're good. But you get knocked out early and you finish 40th or 36th, that's what, one point or four points? That's where all of a sudden, uh, you know, these races coming up with Talladega and the Roval, it's going to make a lot of sense, right? Because there's going to be a wreck early at Talladega, right? And then so somebody's going to be put out, right? Uh, they're going to break the toe link. They're going to be out of the race. And uh, they're only going to score a few points uh, because the wreck's going to happen early. Yeah, similar situation at the Roval. Something's going to happen early. One of these guys is going to miss the shoot or, or something, you know, and they're going to get put out early, and that's going to be a big maximized loss of points right there. It's going to be hard to recover. If you made it through this race at Texas, I feel like you're, you're you know, without very much problems. I feel like you're kind of setting yourself up for, um, you know, possibly something that could happen. Uh, at, at one of these next two tracks. When you're looking at the deficit of where uh, Bell is sitting, you, you you can't be too worried yet. Yes, it's a half a race, 
a little bit more than a half a race down. But first of all, you, you can win. And then uh, also these other guys are going to have misfortune. There's somebody who's going to have misfortune. Um, William Byron, of course, he's behind the ball right now. That's because of penalty. Like, if, you, if I could give out the stupid person of the race, the stupid person was William Byron's interview at the end of the race where he admitted that he wrecked Denny Hamlin. Like, you can't admit it. Don't admit it. I, I, I commend you. You're a great race car driver for doing that, and I wish that the other guys would take that responsibility that you took, William Byron. But what a freaking idiot. He's running for a championship. And just admitted, like Dale Jr. did so many years ago, yeah, I spun out on purpose and took the took advantage of it, right? And uh, what did NASCAR do? They penalized the hell out of him. Uh, so, but you know, William Byron was not and should not be in the position that he's in right now. So, based off of their uh, finishes this year, William Byron should be well enough to recover from uh, this minor setback. Lesson learned, William, little Willie B who's actually not looking so little no more, may I ask. Uh, don't get up in front of the camera and admit it because you're the good guy. Nobody cares if you're the good guy, Willie B. Don't put your team in that kind of situation. Never admit, well, right? Deny, deny, deny. Don't don't let the director of competition know that you did something on purpose. Uh, let's decide that. I'm going to chime in on this, and I'm hoping Craig chimes in on this, too, because I feel like I'm going to take the word right right out of his mouth if he were, you know, talking to us live and whatnot. But I'm thinking the the reason why he picked Byron to be eliminated is because Hamlin has two drivers to basically go after and eliminate uh, in the playoffs. As I said earlier, Denny Hamlin is above the cut line, currently 15 points above sitting in fifth. William Byron currently sitting eight points under the cut line. So if I were Denny Hamlin, you have beef with Chastain and you have beef with Byron. So in this round, if you were to settle a score with a driver, I would say, I would say give it to Byron right here in this round. Where Talladega? Whoa! Retaliation in Talladega? You're trying to kill somebody? Well, if you don't do it, Talladega, you're going to do it the Roval, and I, Denny Hamlin would be kind of stupid if the wait till the Roval to do it. Look, if I'm even if I'm still in this chase, I am running at the very. Hopefully, this connects to what you're talking about. I hope that I haven't jumped the thought here. But if I'm in that top twelve, I'm I'm running in the rear the whole race. Like I'm not I'm not going to come out of the rear until all the all the disaster is done, right? I mean that's the typical uh, Talladega, right? Uh, you know the disaster is going to happen. If you want to be around at the end, uh, you're going to have to lay back. I don't think that that's anything anybody wants to see. I don't think that that's going to make a good race. But uh, you know the uncertainty. And is this car dangerous? All these things are looming with the uh, uh, with, with the, this upcoming weekend at Talladega. Like, you know, guys are talking about giving eighty percent instead of one hundred percent. Like, you know, this is a chase race, right? Somebody's going to be going one hundred percent. I guarantee you, uh, Todd Gillian's not going to sit back and and uh, 
not race hard? Or Michael McDowell? I just feel like, I just feel like, because there's that certainty in the back of my head, but it, it may not happen in this round, but I just have this feeling that Hamlin's got beef with two drivers right now. That's Shastain and William Byron. And from what anyone that's had beef with Shastain has said, they're going to get him where it's going to count. Which means Shastain <laughs> has to keep his head on the swivel for the round of eight as long as he gets that far or the championship four, if he even gets to that point. So if I were Hamlin... I would forget about Shastain and get him where it counts. You're 15 points ahead in the cut line. Hamlin can race very well at super speedway races. So can Byron. So if I were Hamlin, really, I would wait till like, closer towards the end of the race to really nab Byron when Byron thinks he's got it in the bag and then send the, send the dart right at him and screw him over. Yeah, I mean, you we've seen Toyota's it before. Gonna, we've, we've seen you know Dylan Toyota's going to be behind him. Right. right. Yeah, we've seen Dylan wreck Amarola for the win at uh, plate track. I think that, uh, you know, I'm just not sure whether or not Denny Hamlin would uh, take the risk in putting a driver uh, in harm's way at a place like Talladega when you, you're going to have shit happen any damn way. You know, I mean, that's, there's going to be plenty of fiasco without having to... Uh... Now, next the next week at the Roval, of course, what better way to make sure you're you're not fighting, having a fight for that uh, transfer spot. Uh, you will go ahead and try to eliminate somebody. I could see where Denny Hamlin would try to eliminate uh, William Byron or possibly a Ross Chastain uh, if they're near that cutoff line just to save your own arse, you know, so to speak. I just see it as Hamlin, you know, try to help him in a sense, but also screw Byron because Byron not only got that penalty, but if I really wanted to be a real snake in the hole, I would have, I would really make sure Byron gets the worst situation possible going into the Charlotte Oval. And I feel like Talladega is the only place to do it. Yeah, based off of this round, you're right. I mean, it is, and unfortunately, Talladega is not right. Uh, the Talladega is not the right track for the strategy. But uh, you do want to, if you're Denny Hamlin, you don't want. You want to make sure a top four driver gets eliminated before the before the final four, right? Taz, isn't that kind of what you're? You want to make sure that you're going ahead and picking one of these top four drivers, and you're you're sending them because I, I mean. William Byron could possibly be in your top four had this penalty not happened. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he, was, he was third before the penalty. Yeah. So, so if I were Hamlin, I would take out Byron. Give him the double win. Stick the coffin. Stick him in the coffin. He's done. Oops, I mean, I hope that yeah, you could, do it, you could do it at the Roval. But problem with the Roval is that if you get too far away from a driver, you're too far. You're not ever going to catch them up, really, unless a you have some hell of a freaking run, or b you get cautions that help you catch up to them. Because that's how road course races are. They get too far ahead of you, you ain't catching them, unless those two things happen. 
Well, it's going to be interesting to see what we have going into Talladega. It's definitely two wild card races coming up, right, Taz? I mean, is this whole uh, round not a wild card round? Uh, It just, uh, the surprises keep on coming. All right, so since we're kind of wrapping up the round table at this point, um, let me... So who have we so, officially eliminated going into? So, moving on, we have Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, um, Tracy here, Ryan Blaney, and Christopher Bell, which means we have eliminated Case Briscoe, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick, and Alex Bowman. I mean, that's strong picks, right? I mean, there's a couple that each of us threw in the hat that are going to be, you know, uh, watch and see and see if this actually comes to fruition. Uh, But for the most part, uh, we've got a solid group of four guys that uh, I think we could all agree on uh, that are uh, definitely in a threat uh, to not move to the next round, the round of eight. Um, I'm satisfied with who we picked. I mean, I hope we can make this round count because last year, I mean, the first round this year, we got three out of four wrong in last year. <laughs> And last year, we only got four wrong of the entire playoffs. We had one wrong in the in round. We had one wrong in the round of sixteen, one wrong in the round of twelve, one wrong in the round of eight, and then one. And of course, picking the championship winner in the in the final four, that was wrong too. So all in all, we had all in all last year we only had four wrong picks, and this year we're already up to three. Imagine how Vegas feels. You know, one thing we haven't done very much this year is watch the Vegas odds. And I think that that's literally because the Vegas odds have not mattered all year long. I feel like Vegas has probably paid out more in NASCAR this year than they've taken in. Because when you're looking at a 30-to-1 odd, all of a sudden taking, you know, the uh, <laughs> taking the favorite, you know, uh, I, I would say Martin Truex Jr., couple of guys, top four guys, would probably be mostly the favorites every weekend. Uh, but you've definitely had guys like Chris Busher and uh, Case Briscoe and these other guys that have uh, um, you know, um, thrown their name in the hat. Chris, you, you, said it, you said his name wrong. It's Christopher Busher. Oh, my bad. The uh, race car driver formerly known as Chris Busher, but is now presently known as... Uh, since the god of NASCAR spoke it, it is now in fruition. Uh, Christopher, may I present to you Christopher Butcher, who's now, you know, a two-time Winston Cup winner. <laughs> Here I am with Winston Cup. Oh, Lord. Yeah, right. uh, you you also forgot to say uh, redneck Jesus as well. <laughs> redneck Jesus, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I told y'all a long time ago that uh, Junior needed to retire, and uh, it seems to me that all they do is just give him another microphone. He he's only he's he has gotten about as annoying as Michael Strahan. <laughs> every every time you turn the TV on, turn the channel, there's Dale Junior doing Dale Junior Download or Lost Speedway or whatever. You know, even on. Oh my gosh, it's just everything, and he and he calls the races, and now Rick Allen, who I don't ever think was a very good uh, race commentator or whatever, didn't think that he needed the lead spot for sure. I mean, my gosh, this guy went to school to be a broadcaster. Dale Jr. just drove race cars. He was 18th best in his own damn league. So I don't know, man. I don't know. That name Dale Jr. goes a long way. Yeah, Redneck Jesus goes a long way. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of him. I mean, really. Like, there was there was no bigger fan of Dale Jr. than me. Um, I cried when he won at Talladega. I was so I was so amazing. Like, my dad and my kids were there. It was their very first time of the whole family being there. And, man, I mean, it was just – it was the most amazing thing in the whole world. And, and if you never got to watch your guy go to victory lane – uh, you just you can't describe uh, the emotion behind it. We, you know, for years we laughed and said, "Oh, if Dale Jr. wins this race, we're going to tear Talladega down." Well, we didn't quite tear it down, but it's a memory that we'll never forget. So, um, but uh, you know, these days it's just too much, too much Dale Jr. And you know, I've always been a big fan of the DBC, but Brett Griffin. Oh my gosh, that guy! Uh, outside of saying that he drives these race cars, um, you know, he's just got a fix for everything. And uh, you know, they, they did mention something on DBC uh, with the uh, the outer wall, basically an outer wall being put on pit road uh, to uh, keep uh, the pit crewmen and stuff safe. I did want to know your thoughts on that real quick before we start making our picks here tonight, or giving out our black flag checker flag. Oh, yeah, we're going to do black flag, checker flag. That's right. Oh, geez. Let's see. Can we please start a what an idiot <laughs> what? moment? A what an idiot moment. Like every weekend oh, somebody's no. a damn idiot. I, I think I think uh, that would be fun to do what an idiot. Oh, um, uh, shoot. Checker flag for the weekend. You know what? I give checker flag to Tyler Reddick. Y'all know why? He basically got he basically got the middle finger from RCR in terms of next year, and he basically you know said you gave me the middle finger. He's a slap in the face. This is what you get for uh, basically cheap for cheating me out of this uh, whole deal for next year. Yeah, yeah. I just want to race for you. Tyler Reddick come to the table and said, pay me this amount of money. This is what I'm worth. And Richard Childers balked at it, just like just like Dale Jr. balked at it. And both of these guys have nobody to blame but their selves. You know, go listen to the Chris Stapleton song, and you got nobody to blame but me, right? I mean, that's it was Richard Childers' fault that he did not lock in the superstar. So while he's over there sucking his thumb, talking about, 
Yeah, he's not going to be in the best equipment next year. We'll find a place for Tyler Reddick. At the same time, Tyler Reddick has don't give a, a darn attitude. I'm going to I'm here to win. Attitude uh, has has prevailed, and now Richard looks like a like a you know a, a kid stuck in the snow. I didn't see I didn't see him so mad at Tyler Reddick the other day when he stuck his hand in the race car after Tyler won that race. Did you, Taz Taylor? I didn't see no upset Richard Childress there. Yeah, no, he needs to buy the boy a damn Rolex and thank him for putting his freaking organization back on the map. Because I don't think Kyle Busch would have went there had Tyler Reddick not found the success that he's found. You tell me one damn good reason why Kyle Busch would go to RCR had he not watched the success of Tyler Reddick over the last two years. So, I mean, Kyle you Bush can thank Kyle outright. Reddick for getting Kyle Busch. I mean, Kyle Busch said it outright uh, in the press conference that he saw the speed that the eight car has and he's willing to help the team make it go faster and be oh. up in the front more often. Boom. And you think I – you know, you, you, y'all, y'all think I don't even sit here and watch NASCAR. I watch NASCAR, damn it. It's my favorite sport. I love it. And that's, you know, Tyler Reddick's proven uh, what I love to see in an athlete so many times when their back's against the wall. The true athletes always prevail. Look, you don't want to call a race car driver an athlete. That's fine. But you put a guy under pressure like, like Tyler Reddick's been, and all he's done is win since. Man, come on, man. Come on. Give the kid where credit is due. He is a super – I've been saying he's going to be a superstar in this sport. He's going to be a superstar in this sport. Move that over. He is a superstar in this sport. And I'm glad I – Oh, I'm my God. I Did I just him. hear Richard Childress come on the race chat live? Whoa. <laughs> it did kind of sound like ORP, didn't it? <laughs> he is a superstar. <laughs> well, what right, do you say so before, about that, <laughs> before, before I reveal my black flag, Miss um, Lee put first nominee for what an idiot. Is Byron for admitting he purposely spun spun uh, Denny Hamlin? Yeah, what an idiot! My black flag is to the next gen car for safety because it really took a while for to get an update on Cody Ware after he hit the wall as hard as he did. I mean, that probably could be argued for, as for like, the Gen 6 car, too, but I feel like we would have gotten a quicker update on, like, say, the Gen 6 car or whatever. I mean, that felt, oh, like, a long time on getting an update from Cody Ware, if he was okay or if he was getting sent, some, being sent to a local medical facility, whatever, you know. Um, I just... I just feel like we have gone backwards sort of in the safety aspect with the next with the next gen car when we should be as equally prepared with this car going from gen six to the next gen. It is funny that you say that and let me read something that I posted to the group chat earlier. 
This is Justin Marks. I've read a lot today, y'all. This new car is the most radical change in the history of NASCAR. Perfecting its performance and safety is going to be a process. We cannot assume perfection right out of the gate. This comes from an owner whose parts expense is an order of magnitude more than budgeted. But Chase Elliott replied, he said, with the experience and knowledge gained since 1948, the technology we have in 2022, we should never take steps backwards in any area with the new design. <coughs> yeah. So that's words from Chase Elliott saying that, uh, you know, basically there's no room uh, to be. So basically all of the drivers have chimed in. Um, I have said this once before. I'll say it again. I believe this is NASCAR's way of saying, hey, you know, we told you boys have that a long time ago, but y'all have taken it upon yourself to start using these race cars as weapons, and you're going to get tired of wrecking and hurting. When you wake up the next day and your back's hurt, it's because you did something stupid out on the racetrack. And uh, I think that they, these guys have gotten away from that. And in and, and, and so being so comfortable in the wrecks, you may have been opening the Pandora's box there as well because you've got drivers saying, hey, I was willing to stick it in there because I knew that there wasn't going to be that big of a consequence to pay. I don't think an IndyCar driver, a Formula One driver, or a rally car driver has ever said those words, Taz Taylor. I think they all have a sense of that kind of danger, and they know that the sport can kill them. So at least one thing going on right now is a reality check to these drivers that this sport is dangerous, and you may not need to go out there and do some of the stuff that you do. That's true. That's true. You're not wrong. Right. Uh, right, So uh, we got a black flag from from, uh, Miss Lee here says, Nah, black flag and AMR for taking so long to evaluate Cody in the field and not getting him to infield care, infield care quicker. He looked a lot worse than he ended up. And that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's your checker flag? As we wait on Miss Lee's checker flag, uh, and Craig, I think, just completely dropped out on us there. Um, I said my checker flag was to ty- was to Tyler Reddick for basically taking uh, our Childress's middle finger to you and slapping it across the face back at him with his win. Right. Right. Oh man, what a uh, checkered flag! Um, uh, I mean, what, I don't know. Maybe NASCAR. Uh, not screwing it up this time uh, by letting the cars race in the rain. Maybe they, maybe they've learned their lesson. Hopefully, uh, but we did have a 59-minute uh, rain delay uh, for a light mist and a couple of lightning strikes, which is which has gotten oh my gosh! I I'm not going to throw the tip, the black flag at lightning uh, breaks, but uh, you know it is it is pretty frustrating when. We've played sports and race race cars and all kinds of stuff for many years before this. Uh, the, you know, lawyers win every time. What can I say? Um, Want to know where your freedoms go? Yeah, to the Supreme Court. That's where they. That's where they end up by, by a high paid lawyer. Um, 
my checkered flag, of course, as I said. Um, let's give it – hold up. What did I, what did I say my checkered flag was? You said your black flag was towards the rain delay. No, 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 no. That was the checkered flag. Like, given – Given given these not racing in the in the rain and causing a big fiasco, uh, my my black flag is going to go oh, okay. uh, to to these dumbass race fans that want to stop racing uh, and cancel the season because the car is not safe or blah blah blah. I mean, it's just you know it's come on man, uh, racing's dangerous. It's always going to be dangerous. It's supposed to be dangerous. That's part of the appeal to it. I'm not. Uh, saying the driver should get out here and get killed, and it's unfortunate that Kurt Busch is, you know, out with a concussion. Uh, but as I said earlier, these guys have got to understand that what we do is dangerous, and, you know, you've got a guy who is out there in a, in a, uh, in a midget, and he's not going to do the same type of racing uh, that, uh, that these guys are out here racing on the racetrack with, right? I mean, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have a sense of responsibility that this race car can hurt you. And, uh, you know, um, I think that that's part of the sport uh, that, that lures the interest. And uh, definitely don't want to see anybody get hurt. But, man, overreaction, guys, it, it's killing the sport. And uh, so i got to give my black flag to all the overreactors uh, in the racing community that, uh, you know, obviously the, the Cody Ware situation was really scary at the moment. Uh, but uh, no scarier was the Ryan Newman situation, and that was in the other car. So, um, of course, there's a sense of danger in the sport, and we're going to be faced with that. It's, it's no different in football uh, where a guy gets tackled and gets laid out on the field or, or twists his leg and breaks it right there on national television. There's a sense of danger to football. That's why people watch it. So. Um, if I could really just give the give the black flag, I'd give the black flag to all these uh, complaining race car drivers trying to tell NASCAR how to uh, how to make racing better. If we listen to the drivers, then on how to run the sport, then we won't have a sport because they're 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 not they're in it to race. This has got to be a show for the fans first, and I think that that's what's missing at dirt tracks. That's what's missing at short tracks. And that's what's missing right now with all the blah blahs between the drivers. They used to, you know, NASCAR used to give out penalties and say that this is detrimental to stock car racing. I, I just, I think that Twitter has allowed so many people to have free speech uh, that NASCAR is afraid if they penalized every time a driver put down the sport uh, that they wouldn't have any drivers left in the sport. I don't think Bill France was too worried about that though back in his day. Another long All right. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so let's see. Miss Lee's checker flag goes to Noah Gregson four in a row. So this kind of leads up to our picks here, which I have not updated points after Texas, but we'll get that done as soon as possible this week, hopefully. Um, Talladega, I believe all three series are in action this week. Yeah, this is a wild career, so, man. So, Chris, you want to kick things off again? Oh, my gosh. 
I'll take the guy that's sitting ninth in points in the truck series. I'll take the guy who's sitting third in points in the Xfinity series. And I will take uh, Michael McDowell in the Cup series. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So if you, oh, can, if you so, remember what I just said with the truck and the Xfinity series, and you can just tell me who my pick is, and that, that truck, that's about the luck of the draw. Trucks, you said trucks. You said ninth in the point standings. Yeah, I think so. That's Matt Crafton. Oh wow, it's a pretty good pick. Third in Xfinity. Oh, you're going Ty Gibbs. Yeah, and that's been that's that's about right. I mean, that's the way it's been. Wow. All right. So, I mean, that's how you do it. Is that the? Well, we'll see. We'll see next week if that's how to do it. Is this, is that the, wouldn't it be amazing if I got all three? <laughs> oh, no, oh boy. Wreck. All three are going to wreck. <laughs> <laughs> well, my picks, uh, I'm going with the guy who won the one and only super speedway race in the truck series this season. We're going all the way back to February when I say this at Daytona, Zane Smith. Wow. He hasn't hit victory lane in a a little while, and he's got to chase for that championship. Zane Smith. It's a really good pick, though. Uh, he was a hot. Xfinity, he was hot at the beginning of the year. Sure was. Uh, Xfinity. Um, I'm going with another super speedway driver. Um, and no, it's not Austin Hill. I'm kind of leaning towards. That guy's a bandit. Mr. Ed restrictor plate rates. I'm kind of leaning towards Mr. Dingling, AJ Allmendinger. AJ. And he said he wants to, you know, focus on <laughs> winning and having more success at oval tracks. And he's got super he's got super speedway wins under his belt. Talladega is where you want to do it. <laughs> As for the cup side, my pick is a guy who has not won a race this year. Ooh. So I'm so I'm along with you, Chris, that we could see a twenty. A race winner number twenty this year. He's also out of the four camp. My race winning pick, Team Penske Ryan Blaney. Oh wow! Yeah, that guy. He 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 could he could possibly win one of one of these next two races here, or both of them even. Uh, Ryan Blaney has a, uh, a a knack at racing. Super Speedway Racing, and he's uh, got him a win already at a road course, uh, I believe, at the very first 
uh, Roval Race, if I'm not mistaken. So Miss Lee's got John Hunter Nemechek and Dinger, and who was her cup pick? Um, I don't think she set a cup pick yet. Well, we made a show out yeah. of it. And, uh, we hit Craig for a bet, and then we lost him. I know Craig's doing – Craig's being a traveling man, trying to meet out the storm down in Florida, and he's also traveling up here to New York for – uh, for a couple gigs this weekend. Yeah, so Craig is so busy man. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone. Chris, are you seeing oh. what I see? Who her cup pick is? I do. I wow. Do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick, too. That's a good, solid, strong pick, man. I like all y'all's picks. I know I went out there crazy with Michael McDowell, but uh, look, it's, you know, I'm trying to gather some points. McDowell knows how to take care of a race car. He's going to run uh, 22nd, 24th, maybe 30th, or, you know, who knows? Maybe you see him up at the front right from the beginning. Either way, uh, the gap between a Penske Ford and a Front Row Motorsports Ford is not going to be that big of a difference once you get these cars in the pack. And uh, Michael McDowell nine times out of ten will get you a solid finish at a at a plate track where, you know, some of these other guys, man, they may be good, uh, but uh, they get, uh, you know, they get the old, uh, the old Talladega hammer, you know, the axe, and uh, up in smoke, crash and burn, all those cool little one-liners that go along with Talladega. We're excited, man. We're getting to go. Uh, this will be our Second year going back in October, I believe. So, so we had gone all the way up to 2015 both races, and then we took some time off and only focused on the one race a year. And uh, but after COVID hit, we had to miss a uh, race. We uh, we started going back to the fall race. But now we didn't get to stay for the race last year, I don't believe. We had to come home, which sucked really bad. And uh, now with the hurricane. I'm beaming towards the racetrack or they're close to it. It's we you know, we could very well possibly be in the same situation again this year. But hey, we're going up there to have a good time and uh one maybe one day for the spring race we can get you guys to come down and uh make a big party out of it and uh enjoy Because uh, once you go to a Talladega race there's no other race you would ever want to go to. Um I tell you what, if we can somehow arrange it, if I had a bucket list to, to pick right now, I'd bring you guys down for the uh, for the Cup race, and I'd fly up there to see the Watkins Glen race because uh, if I'm going to go to any road course racing uh, outside of the Rolex and 24 Hours of Daytona, it would definitely have to be the Watkins Glen race up in Washington. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's road racing. I don't give a damn what anybody says. That's road racing. Not not the Roval, not the Indy Roval. That no no no. If you want real, true enough what road racing is, you have to go to a place like Road America or a place like Watkins Glen, and then that showcases what road racing really is. All right. Well, all right, there's our picks. There's our show. Uh, I'm glad to have you on here tonight, Dad Taylor. Glad to be back this weekend. This week, uh, 
after missing out last week, I had to work late and had to uh, get some bills paid. Of course, we're facing that once again this week. But, uh, you know, it is what it is as we get ready to go have some fun. Uh, but, uh, yep, Miss Lee, glad to have you listening to us tonight. Hopefully we gave you a few laughs. And anybody else that was out there listening, hopefully y'all enjoyed the show as well. I'm going to turn it over to Taz, and he's going to get us out of here, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah, Mid-Ohio. Mid-Ohio, <laughs> Miss Lee, great great add-in on that. Mid-Ohio is a, is a wonderful uh, uh, road course racetrack as well. Isn't that the site, I believe, that uh, Cole Custer and John Hunter Nemechek or something got into the the the, uh, the wrestling match, if, if I'm not mistaken, Miss Lee? But, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, get us out of here, Taz Taylor. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio Tuesday night. If you don't catch us live at any time on Blog Talk Radio on Tuesday nights, you can always listen to us on any forms of podcasts, like such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Of course, Blog Talk Radio as well. And thank you to our sponsors and make the 110 Nation program rolling. Phoenix Fitness, Bears Bullish Market Talk Group, and Carolina Sports Plus. Well, make sure you listen in next Tuesday night to Race Chat Live. We will have Brandon Clapperton. Uh, he'll he'll be on the show as long as I send him a reminder next Tuesday early, early in the day at some point. He'll be talking about um, the Northeast uh, Super Cart Week. Not Super Dirt Week like big cars type deal. We're talking about the karting version of Super Dirt Week. Super Cart Week. It'll be interesting to see what he's got planned for that and what information he'll give us for that. Um, again, this has been Tuesday Night Race Chat Live with the caution flag of racing radio, Chris Creighton, the DJ Music Man, Craig Moore. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying good night. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, guys. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. Like a two modern day Robin Hood. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.